What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Too Smart for This, a podcast dedicated to knowing better and doing better for ourselves and others, hosted by me, Alexis Barber. In this show, we invite real people and experts to share their stories about how they navigate an ever-demanding society and talk about the personal decisions we make from career to health and wellness. Let's get into it. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Too Smart for This. I am so thrilled today to be bringing on my personal dietitian, Lisa M. Nutrition. She is an incredible, incredible person and I think what I love most about her is how comprehensive she is. She gave not only great answers to every question I asked, but she also gave tangible tips for those of us who are going through a transition out of restrictive diets and into more intuitive knowledge of our bodies while also, you know, keeping in mind the nuances of wanting to maybe look a different way or maybe wanting to lose weight and sort of how to test whether or not you're ready for something like that. I am so grateful to her in terms of my personal journey of moving out of diet culture and into something more sustainable that works for me. And I've made a lot of progress with her and I really credit it to her being so helpful, compassionate, non-judgmental, and real. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We cover everything from what to do the moment you've decided to move out of disorder or to move out of dieting, the difference between disordered eating and um, in eating disorder, uh, what people should think about when they're reading nutrition advice on Instagram, and how to know when you are in a healthy enough mindset to start making aesthetic changes to your body. So please, please enjoy this episode. Definitely follow both Lisa and I on Instagram and hope you get some great nuggets out of this because I needed a lot of these reminders. Welcome, Lisa. I'm so excited to talk to you. I loved chatting with you and I love chatting with you every few weeks. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. This is this is very much, I've been looking forward to this for a while. So super excited. I'm so glad. Yeah, you've definitely been a big help for me in my journey ever since I've decided to stop dieting, but then don't really know what to do with food afterwards. So I wanted to bring you on for your expertise. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And I, I have a lot to say on that topic, and especially because it sort of has naturally become one of my specialties without me even looking for it. It just kind of fell upon me given the climate and the culture that we're in these days and what mm -hmm. a lot of people are struggling with. So you're you're not alone. Um, I know a lot of people need help in this area, in this arena to find a healthier relationship with food and their body at the same time. For sure. Absolutely. So you've mentioned sort of what you do. So could you give people a little bit of a background on what you do, your practice, and like how, how you came to be a dietitian? Absolutely. So 
So I am a registered dietitian and I am stationed primarily in Manhattan, uh, New York City. I got into private practice over uh, 10 years ago. I've been a dietitian for longer than that, but that's, you know, 10 years ago was really when I felt like I was able to put into practice a lot of my training and knowledge. And it was what I always knew I wanted to do getting into this field. Cause there's so many things you can do in nutrition and dietetics, but I always knew one-on-one counseling was like the bread and butter of what, um, I felt like I would just love. And it did not, um, it did not fail because it really is something that I, I, I love even to this day. It's super rewarding. Um, originally I started off probably more passionate about sports nutrition, interestingly, and then through my experience and just kind of the clients that I was working with, it segued into more weight loss. Um, and I found myself helping people with weight loss from there, I started to get more eating disorder patients. And some of it could be just related to where I was kind of moving my office throughout the city. And now, um, especially being that I'm, my office is in, in a neighborhood, honestly, with a younger demographic, I felt I, and that's kind of a lot of the patients that come to me struggling are younger, uh, aged, not always, but most of the time. Um, and so, from there, I started to learn so much from my clients. I mean, my clients come to me for information, but the reality is I learned so much from them as well. And I see so much of what goes on and the mentality and the struggles and the journeys that lead people to where they are in their lives and whether or not food is a is an issue, is a struggle, and weight is an ongoing issue and struggle. Um, so ultimately, at this point, because of where I've been and who I work with, um, I feel like at this point and what I'm most passionate about is helping people find a healthier relationship with food so that they can also find their healthiest weight. And it's okay to want to lose weight and to want to change your body a little bit as long as it doesn't become disordered eating, eating disordered. Um, and there is a, a fine line. There's a difference. It's a fine line though, between when that disordered eating can become a full blown eating disorder. But ultimately, uh, I've been in the game for over 10 years. I did my undergrad at Syracuse university. I was born and raised in New Jersey, but always knew, always, always, always knew I wanted to end up in New York city. Um, and so this is my home. I love it here so much. I, live here. I work here. Um, and, and this is where I, um, practice too. So amazing. Yep. Well, thanks for that background. It's amazing to have a little bit of a understanding where you came from and like your up and down of your career journey and everything. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess we could just start right off. You mentioned the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder. Could you go into that a little bit more for us? Definitely. And I think there's a lot of confusion around this. Um, And the term disordered eating can be thrown around very casually. Um, It's almost like normalized to to a certain extent. Mm. And the real, the real crux of the matter is, is that within diet culture, diet culture puts us in a position where it is very hard to not have disordered eating. Disordered eating typically involves obsessions around food, obsessions around weight, a constant, never-ending, futile, um, 
determination to change your body so that it can conform with these ideals, perceived ideals. Um, you know, it's it's the kind of bodies that we see in fashion models on the runway and on the cover of magazines and celebrities and filtered on social media. Um, and a lot of times it's, you know, they're very, honestly, probably unhealthy weights, uh, very low body fat. Um, and it's something that is revered and it's something that is um, admired and valued in our society, even though a lot of times in order to get to that place, you have to be restricting food. You have to be constantly worried about eating too much and gaining too much weight. So disordered eating, again, it's when you look at food as if it's good or bad. If you say to yourself, this food is bad for me, it's going to make me gain weight. It's going, if you're on a plan that is overly restrictive, you're cutting out major food groups, not because you have allergies or sensitivities, but because you're afraid of what, how that can affect your body. Most diets in general, like going on any restrictive weight loss diet, meaning really a diet that's probably for the most part under 1200 calories. Um, a diet that tells you exactly when, how much to eat, what to eat, very, very, very little is up to you. You have almost no autonomy um, and no say in the matter. That is disordered. That's not a healthy relationship with food, where as the opposite, a healthy relationship with food, we can look at that for a second, is when you are able to eat everything, again, unless you are not eating that food because there's an allergy, intolerance, um, moral reasons, religious reasons. But if it's just, you know, you're eating everything that you sort of want to eat, but it's also still maintains some type of balance. So it's not just like, like I'm going to eat you know, without any type of gentle nutrition at all. Like you still want to in, in, incorporate and keep in mind nutritious foods when you're picking out meals. But ultimately, it's giving yourself permission to eat foods. Uh, it's keeping balanced eating in mind. It's not punishing yourself and not trying to overcompensate if you feel like you ate something that wasn't as nutritious or maybe healthy or, and I'm doing air quotes here, clean as you intended or you thought you had to eat. Um, so again, any any most restrictive diets. And I'm, I say restrictive because there's diets plans out there that can help you lose weight that are not super restrictive um, or not overly restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are, are okay. You know, and, and, and I don't, and the issue with today and where we're at is I feel like, you know, there's a lot, it's a, it, we're very polarized where um, it feels like you have to pick a side. I'm either going to be an intuitive eater and listen to my body and not focus on weight at all, or I'm going to continue trying to lose weight, trying to look for diets, go on diets, restrict what I'm eating, follow a plan. Um, it doesn't have to be so black and white. It doesn't have to be so binary. You can have, the, you can get somewhere in the middle, but you do have to work on your relationship with food whether you do that before you try to lose weight or while you're trying to lose weight, either case, as long as you're trying to work on it, mm-hmm. it should end up okay. You should be you should be able to to manage that. But ultimately, the issue with diets is that they do 
tend to contribute to disordered eating. And statistics show that the number one predictor of weight gain is a restrictive diet. So not only are they, yeah, not only are they interfering with your relationship with food, but they don't usually work. Not all the time. I mean, there's, there, it's not every single person, but majority of people, over 90% of people that go on a overly restrictive diet gain all the way back. Whether it's like three months from now, six months from now, one year from now, at some point they all end up back where they started. And then, you know, we can there's also other things that come along with that dieting too. Like when you go on a diet, you could be setting yourself up for nutritional deficiencies, like not getting enough vitamins and minerals and carbs and proteins and fats in your diet. Um, Mm -hmm. It can be affecting your bone health. It could be affecting your metabolism. So it can actually slow down your metabolism, making it so much easier. And that's part of what's behind that statistic is that it restrictive extreme dieting does slow down the metabolism. Wow. Yeah. Loving all the statistics and facts because that's something for me that is really important to think yep. about because that for me as someone who like understands, you know, statistics, science, et cetera, it's really important to focus on that when you're looking at this because in my head it was like calories in, calories out. That's what matters. And as easy and to make it as easy as possible for myself to ingest the least amount of calories possible by tricking my body in multiple different ways. And I think a lot of people are doing that and they think that as long as they get to this end goal of being, quote, skinny, it'll be fine. But in reality, 90% of the time, you are going to gain that weight back at some point because your relationship with food has become so unhealthy. So if you're like me, so, you know, I came to you after, like, right after I had decided to stop dieting. But if there's someone out there who can't necessarily get to a dietitian um, because of insurance yes. or because of the cost, which luckily you take insurance, shout out to you, um, <laughs> what would you recommend that they do? Like, some, t- it's like the first three steps that they do to start to heal that relationship of disordered eating. Definitely. So there's a few things you can definitely start to do. And one of the things I always warn is that if you've been somebody, if you are someone that's been on a lot of diets throughout your life, which it's okay because that is a lot of people because of where we are in a society, we feel like we have to be on a diet all of the time. But if that is you, you have to be patient with yourself. A lot of times our bodies are going to look to compensate for all of that restriction. You might find that the moment that you give up that control, so to speak, and you put away that diet plan and you reintroduce these foods into your diet, you might initially feel a little out of control. And you might feel like your cravings are going up and you're eating more and it's hard to stop and you're thinking about food more. This is your body. This is not you with no self-control. This is your body trying to get back to a normal equilibrium. It's trying to balance it yourself out again. So Don't be afraid of that. The instinct would be to jump back onto a restrictive diet the moment things feel out of control. But if you do that, you're only going to delay the inevitable and you're going to, again, end up back there anyway one day. So try to be patient and ride the wave. Um, It won't last that long if you just 
try to trust your body instead of what you said before, which I think is great because that's what a lot of people feel like they have to do is trick your body. So you have to trust your body, not trick your body. Um, and you just ride the wave and you just try to be patient with yourself. You'll find that you're able to better self-regulate without controlling, manipulating, and overly restricting. So that's the first thing is just to be patient with yourself, have compassion. Um, the second thing is you can have some kind of guideline in place, some kind of plan. But what I always, always urge people to do is focus on what to add in to your diet versus focusing on what to take out. We want to talk about addition, not subtraction. So make sure you're getting enough protein. Make sure you're getting enough fiber. Make sure you're also getting enough fat because fat is what helps to for us to feel full. It adds satiety. It makes food more palatable, enjoyable, satisfying. It gives it staying power. Yes. When you told me that I could eat like a half or a full avocado in a day, I like I was like, wait, what? <laughs> right. Like, are you kidding? Are you messing with me right now? But think about all you're getting in that avocado. Like it I cringe and I and I and I do it in the nicest way possible, but I cringe when people say, you know, aren't nuts and avocados fattening? Like I shouldn't be eating that. It's like it's very different to eat extra calories from avocado than it is to eat extra calories from candy and sweets and alcohol. And, you know, people will literally reject eating almonds, but then they'll go and have like six glasses of wine. It's like, not that alcohol is bad either, but to not eat something that's so nutritious, so nutrient dense that you're getting antioxidants and vitamins and fiber and protein and monounsaturated fats, things that are going to not, you know, because this is also very apropos, but help boost our immune system. We need to protect our immune system now more than ever. So balanced eating, especially including these fats, they really do help with immune system too. And that's like more important than ever. So again, thinking about addition and balance. And then other than that, it's working on what's going on behind all that. Like if you find yourself, if you consider yourself somebody that's always all or nothing when it comes to diets, like you're either on a diet or you're off a diet, or you feel like you do a lot of stress eating, overeating, it's trying to get to the bottom of what is behind that. You know, is there a psychological drive there? Are you using food to cope with any uncomfortable emotions like stress, anger, tension, resentment? Um, I actually had a client once that she was working with a therapist and she told me, which I actually found very profound, but that women, especially we are, um, sort of raised to feel bad about feeling angry. It's like an an emotion that we're not comfortable expressing, right? It's like not feminine to like come off as angry. Um, And that's a lot of times what drives emotional eating for women is when we're feeling anger instead of we're not comfortable to like address that and express it. So instead like we'll eat because it's like the only thing we know how to do to get rid of that. So Right. And processing a lot of emotions, I think, comes from that for me, for my family. I mean, I've seen that happen a lot. So I love that. Definitely. So I, what I encourage people to do is if you are somebody that likes keeping records and journals and writing things down, it can be very therapeutic. I don't always suggest doing calorie counting. There's some people that can do calorie counting apps and it can be very helpful, but from other people it can be very harmful. So it, you just have to know yourself um, and having that self-awareness, by the way, is also really important. But when you are, if you are going to do a journal, I really encourage writing down 
yeah, you can write down the food, the time, the amount, all of that, but writing down your emotions and rating it on a scale of like one to 10. So writing down your emotion and then how strong is that emotion? And then you can make connections between your emotions and what you're eating. So that's something else that I think really helps. Yeah. If you, if you think you're somebody that uses food a lot, which is common, it's accessible, it's there. And right now when we're all, especially home, most of us, um, who knows where we'll be in a few months from now, but right now people are using food to, for entertainment, for comfort, for reward, um, all of, all of the things that, you know, we, we, what we need as humans, but people are using food to deal with that because we don't have a lot of other options. So it's just easy to use food, but it's important to get to the bottom of it. Totally. I think upon a lot of self-reflection this year, I could sort of pinpoint where my need to be on a restrictive diet like came from. And it wasn't like, and yes, it is like the external want and like the culture of needing of like needing to be skinny to be valuable. But it's also an internal for a lot of women who are, I think, either in my audience or who follow me. A lot of us are smart college age women who are obsessed with this because we're searching for some sort of control in a lot of ways or searching for some sort of external validation. So the emotional part of it, I think where a lot of us are really scared, like you said, like women are not used to being angry, so we eat. So that is a really important topic. And I'm so grateful that you brought it up and didn't just focus on like the numbers of food or calorie counting or macro counting. But in in reality, it is a lot deeper. Definitely. It is a lot deeper. And and body image is a is a constant work in progress. You know, it's like nobody ever has perfect body image all the time. And as a young woman, you know, you're still learning that. Like that's an ongoing process. Like that never really ends. We go through different stages of life that can affect our body image and the way that we view our bodies. And it depends on our life and where we are in life. But ultimately, working on your body image is so, so important. For me, a lot of it changed when I had kids. What's interesting, the irony there is that, you know, going through pregnancy, it changes your body in so many ways. And, you know, it's in a lot of good ways and a lot of ways that can, can further exacerbate poor uh, body image and, and increased body dissatisfaction. Um, cause again, it just, it just changes. But on the flip side, for me, it was like, well, look what my body gave me. You know, I have two kids who, you know, it wasn't easy for me to get pregnant. And I was so appreciative of the whole journey for that reason. Um, and so that kind of reminded me that we just have to focus, which I know is a, a saying that goes around anyway, but we have to focus on what our body can do, not what our body looks like. It's like, mm-hmm. what can our body do for us? Um, it helps us get places and do things and, you know, and live a fulfilling life. If we add up all of the time that we spent worrying about food and weighing in and worrying about what we're going to wear and how we look, think about all of the things that we can do at that time, right? It's like such, it's such yeah. a, it really is a waste of time in a lot of, a lot of ways. It's okay to want to feel good and it's okay to work on yourself and want to put your best self out there. But if it's consuming so much of your time, you know, that's a, another story. Totally. So like if you're someone who has made this switch to going away from dieting, how do you know that you're in a healthy enough mindset to start making change, like maybe aesthetic changes to your body? Definitely. So the biggest thing is if you feel like you can kind of move through and focus on food with minimal triggers, you know, if you feel like you get easily triggered, like the moment you start to 
you know, jump on the scale. It's a trigger for you. You know, you see the scale went up a little bit, went down a little bit, whatever it is, and it completely affects your mood for the day. If you find that the moment you try to make a meal that has, you know, maybe a little less carbs on there or a little bit, you know, more protein, more vegetables, and then you almost feel triggered to want to eat more because you're feeling deprived. It's like these types of feelings where, you know, you could easily feel anxious around food, or you can easily feel anxious when you see the number on the scale, or, you know, you are still thinking about it a lot. Sometimes it just comes down to like, are you how many times a day are you are you body checking? Are you looking in the mirror and checking on your body and saying something negative about yourself? How many times a day, how often do you feel guilty after you eat? If you're feeling guilty after almost every meal, snack that you're eating, worry about what you're going to be eating next, that is a sign that you still have work to go. You still have work to do. You still have some ground to cover. So ultimately, those are a few symptoms and signs that I wouldn't we wouldn't go on a, on a weight loss journey quite yet. Um, you can get there though. Like you can definitely heal your relationship mm-hmm. with food and then begin to work on finding your happiest and healthiest weight. Ideally, you don't need to focus on it so much to get to the place where you want to be. Um, ideally, you can just listen to your body more, trust it, respect it, give it what it's asking for and needs without uh you know, any deprivation or repercussions. Um, but it's not always, it can't, you can't jump from one thing to the other. And I, I do love the intuitive eating moment, uh, movement and I love the concept and I love all of the principles of it, but it's, it is a, a utopia. It's a perfect world, you know? And I think if, if, you know, we'd all in a perfect world, we'd all listen to our body all of the time and just use that as our guide. But stress affects that. Um, and it's a privilege, you know, not everybody has access to all the food that they, that, that they, they want, want and need. Yeah. Certain people, they don't have all those options of food choices. They can't just say, I'm going to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, because of other reasons. So, um, yeah, so that's also what I want to bring up, but ultimately, you know, if it's still something that's in the forefront of your brain and it's something that you think about on a regular basis and you're feeling still guilty after eating certain foods and you're still not feeling comfortable having certain foods at home around, if you're still finding yourself in, you know, if, if, if binge eating is something that you're struggling with or just feeling out of control around food and that's still happening regularly, we're not there yet. You got to, you got to keep pushing, um, in the direction of, just um, trusting your body and working on getting to the bottom of the emotions behind some of the food choices. Right. Yeah. And I think like things like binge eating are a big thing for that are really emotionally tied too. So, I mean, I remember when I started working with you, the one of the first things in one of our meetings was you asked me to focus on like my judgment of my body and of other people's body and to sort of do this body image work that you've talked about? Because you talked to us about how to do that um, ourselves and why it's important. Definitely. Yeah. So one of the big things is that we have to check our own weight biases. We have to biases. We have to, the way that we look at other people, like if you, if you're walking around the street, for example, and you see somebody and your immediate thought is, oh, she looks really skinny or, oh, she doesn't look skinny. She looks like she gained weight or something. Or if you think about that with people that you know, 
how could we expect not to judge ourselves if we're that quick to judge other people? And that's where it has to start. It has to start with our perception of other people. It doesn't make you a bad person. Actually, it's quite normal to do that. It doesn't make you a bad person at all. And it's so inst- it's so like second nature. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Um, but if you can start to work on the way that you view other people, it will be so much easier to stop doing it to yourself. And we have to stop judging ourselves most importantly, because we can be our biggest critic and our most judgmental person ever. Um, especially with food, we're so quick to judge ourselves. Oh, that was bad. Why'd you do that? Oh, that was good. Like good for you. I feel proud that I ate this. And, but ultimately it's the negative feelings that become more problematic. So if you do tend to find yourself judging others for their, the way they look, judging yourself for the way you look, judging yourself for what you eat, that is a great place to start a hundred percent. And then other stuff too, that can really help is, you know, dressing yourself when we get dressed, you know, picking clothes that you feel comfortable with, picking clothes that makes you feel comfortable, not worrying about being the most, you know, trend-setting, fashion-forward person, just wear clothes that you're comfortable in. Um, and that's something else that can really help with body image, but ultimately, and then practicing positive self-talk too. Like if you are somebody that body checks, which basically means looking at them in the mirror a lot and, and saying something negative, oh, looks like I gained weight. I'm so bloated. I'm so fat, you know, beating yourself up, you know, try to practice one nice saying one nice thing about yourself before you walk away as hard as it might be. And it could be a physical attribute, but also do some things that are more, you know, about your, Oh, I really helped my friend feel better today. Oh, I really helped my client do this today. Oh, I really did a a good job with that, you know, paper that was due and remind yourself of all your talents and and positive qualities, because that's going to be more meaningful. And, you know, that's, what's going to help in the, in the long run. Totally. So those are so, so helpful. And they're things I need to remind myself of to do every single day because it is so wild when you think about how many times you judge another person's body in one day. And until you really start being conscious of that, it's hard to love yourself too. So really crazy. So speaking Uh of looking at other people's bodies, I know that social media and Instagram specifically and even TikTok have really big impacts on the way that we see ourselves, the way that we um, choose nutrition, etc. For people who are either in diet culture, not in diet culture, people who are just women in general, what do you think we should think about when we are on these platforms and or like looking for or seeing nutrition advice? What's some important things to keep in mind when we are using social media in the food, wellness, etc. space? Definitely. I love that question. And just remember, it's most of it's not real. You know, a lot of it isn't real. And the images that you see and it's filtered and it's, you know, there's a a lot of it is going to appear so much better than how it really is. And so it's so easy to compare ourselves. There's actually a lot of research and studies showing how social media, especially Instagram, because it's like all pictures can dramatically uh, decrease body satisfaction. It can make us significantly more dissatisfied with how we look. Um, And I know that to be true because I even go through periods of that. And I think ultimately what it comes down to is you have to just clear the clutter and make sure you're following accounts that truly enrich your life and make you smarter and warmer and nicer and more whatever it is. Like it's it's great and it's totally fine to use it as a place to get recipes and inspiration and motivation. But if you're 
putting your phone down and feeling significantly worse about yourself than when you picked it up, that's a sign that you're looking at the wrong account. So remember to just, you know, find accounts that are um, focusing on health above, you know, the way you look. Um, and it is great. You can get a lot of great information on there. And there's a lot, especially with when it comes to nutrition, there's a lot of credentialed professionals, experienced professionals, dietitians specifically on there that offer a ton of tips. So you can get a lot of, of great stuff. But I will say as somebody who is on Instagram and who does create content, I cannot, I can trigger people. I don't know. There's so many different people out there with so many different journeys. And I try to keep it general enough. And I try to make sure that I'm not saying anything that could be misconstrued or anything, but it's, it's never, I'm never going to be perfect and no one is. And so as the person on the other end of it, you have to protect yourself and just remember that the accounts that you follow and the people that you follow will make you feel a certain way. And hopefully it's all, it's all positive. And if not, it's up to you to make that change, but it's so, so, so hard not to compare yourself when it comes to Instagram. Um, and if you are doing that a lot and it is affecting your, your self-esteem, um, that's on you. You know, you can, you can change that. That's totally in your wheelhouse and in your balls in your court there. So make that, make that change in your life. It'll, it'll make a huge difference. Absolutely. And it's really hard to make that change sometimes because you yes. want to feel like you're in, like yes. you know what's going on. Or for cool me, crowd I, and, yeah. yeah, the cool mm-hmm. crowd. And for me, like even recently, even when there's like negativity or big changes are happening in diet culture, I have to just unfollow. And yep. it, and like you have to release that negativity in your life because otherwise, like it's just going to come back to you. And it's not hurting other people as much as it's hurting you. Um, if you are just unfollowing or even muting, I've been muting people. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. When they make me uncomfortable, but okay. So that's a nicer way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. A nicer (laughs) way if you know them in real life. So (laughs) this has been actually so helpful. And like, I feel so grateful to have you, you know, as my personal dietitian and also to have your information and wor- and everything shared with other people. I would love to do a little rapid fire question moment with you to end mm. the podcast. Are totally. Okay. I'm totally down. Love that. Fabulous. Okay. So here we go. The first one is appetizers or dessert? Uh, dessert. <laughs> <laughs> no brainer. Yeah. In- Instagram or TikTok? Instagram. I think I'm too, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little older than the TikTok <laughs> thing maybe, but that could just be me. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's fun. It's either way. <laughs> yeah. Favorite TV show of all time. Oh, it's gotta be, oh my gosh, that's a hard one. Cause there's so many, I mean, listen, I still watch friends all the time. It's like my background <laughs> music when I'm home. Like it's just, it's just classic, timeless humor. I love, love, love friends, but I also really loved lost and Friday night lights. Mm. Um, and, oh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That was, that's a, a, a good question though, but friends well. is probably my ultimate. Okay. Do you have a favorite podcast? Um, I do love to, I do listen to a lot of different podcasts. I really like, and if you're somebody that's into the intuitive eating moment, anti-diet, um, stuff, uh, Christy Harrison, um, food psych. Mm. Um, I also think dietitians unplugged is really insightful. Um, drunk dietitians is fun. If you like kind of quirky or more fun type of stuff. Um, 
And then, um, gosh, people might hate me for this, but I'm a big fan of Bethany Frankel. I just love her wit. I'm with so you. Quick and fast, and she's just hilarious, and she kills me. So she just has a podcast, and I I do check that on the regular. I just think she's so funny when she talks. So love her it. podcast too. Yep. Love it. Okay. Yep. What is your most important self-care practice? I am, I've always been a big um, exerciser, but I don't like to follow anything. So I like to do like free type of cardio and jogging. I, I don't run far. I don't run long. Um, for me, a 20 minute jog three, four times a week is it's, it's when I get my, my most creative thoughts is when I'm running, especially outside. So that's my biggest thing. And then my second thing is I get chair massages once a week. Back with Love it. You need those. Without fail, like clockwork, once a week, I have to get a back massage at the nail salon. Stunning. (laughs) Love to see it. Good. That's a good one. I got to implement that. Uh, Okay. Last question is finish this sentence with something you want young people to know. You're too smart for. Ooh, you're too smart for the bullshit. That's it. Just the bullshit. That's it. <laughs> Just see it. See it from a mile away. You know, you're too mm-hmm. smart for it. People are always trying to sell things and put on a show and, you know, and just see past the gimmicks and the fakeness. That's it. Just yes. get to, go to the, get to the reality of things. Like that's it. Just, I always respect people that just keep it real. And that's how, that's how I like to try to portray myself too. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Could you please tell everyone where to find you on Instagram, your practice, et cetera, if they want to get in touch with you? Yes, absolutely. So you, my handle is at Lisa M Nutrition. So Lisa M is in Mary Nutrition. And then my private practice is New York Nutrition Group. So it's at NY Nutrition Group. Amazing. Thank you so, so much. And I am so grateful for this. Yes. Likewise, it was so much fun. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for listening to the Too Smart for This podcast. Be sure to leave a review if you liked it. It takes two seconds. And follow the show on Instagram at Too Smart for This Pod. Check back every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes. And make sure to follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Alexis Barber for more content about lifestyle, health, and career. And don't forget, you're too smart to not love yourself. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.